Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers 4DC. Welcome back to The Echo Chamber. Today, we have back on the podcast, Golan CEO, Fred Cook, who is actually here as part of... Uh, as part of his second job as director of uh, USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. Welcome back, Fred. Thanks, Artie. Happy to be back. Yeah, I think you're joining us from a, from an airport, probably from Heathrow. Exactly. Yeah. I'm in the Admiral's Club or whatever they call it, the lounge at Heathrow. Well, well before we get started, um, let me. I'll just remind our listeners that the Holmes Report partnered with USC's Annenberg School on global research on the state of the, of the PR profession. Um, the Global Communications Report was just launched uh, this week, which which is the week of April 25th. Um, if you go online, you can see um, the full rankings of the top 250 PR agencies around the world, as well as a lot of in-depth analysis. And that's what, Fred, I'd love to talk to you about today. Um, diving right in, uh, there was a, one of the headlines that, that stood out to me, and I'd love to get your, your perspective on it, is um, so after several years of consecutive strong growth, it looks like the PR industry slowed down a little bit in two thousand and in two thousand fifteen to about five percent growth. Um, what, what what accounts for that? Well, our survey showed we looked at the next five years of growth, and uh, agencies predicted a thirty three percent growth rate over the next five years, and in house teams predicted about a thirteen percent growth rate over the next five years. So I think that's pretty healthy growth uh, on both sides. I did see in the your report in the in the the rankings that firms had not grown as much this year, and I haven't studied it, but my sense was some firms are just doing better than others, and you know some like us and Golan and Weber Shamwick and a few others have uh, pretty good growth, and then there's some others which seem to be lower, and I think when you average it out, it's probably a little less than it has been in the past. Yeah, we actually did notice that because usually there's a gap between the independent agencies and the publicly traded agencies where the where the growth on the independents it tends to be much higher. This year that, that gap narrowed a little bit, but there's there's different reasons why 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 we think that was. One of them is we included in publicly traded. Obviously the IPG firms, like you mentioned, are doing are doing very well. But the, we also included Next 15 firms, um, uh, MDC partner firms. So these are firms that that are that, that are publicly traded, but still sort of operate very much more like a like independence. Um, so one of the things that you noted was sort of that gap between between future growth and I think you said agencies predict about thirty three percent growth over the next five years, and, and in house predict about thirteen percent. That that seems like a big gap. Well, I think that what we're finding is that uh, the people in house, and we hear from them, is that public relations is often considered a cost center and their corporations are these days are being very um they scrutinize all of their expenses so i think there's a lot of pressure in-house to do more for less so where you're seeing the programs grow you're not seeing the budgets grow at a at a commensurate rate so they're looking at like about a little under three percent growth year on year which isn't bad but the concern is with public relations having so many opportunities and so many new areas to explore, will there be enough resources to make all that happen? I mean, does that concern you that, um, that, that in-house communications divisions aren't being given more budget? I mean, I know the flip side of that, right, is, is, is you want you know, access to different budgets. But, you know, but communications budgets still are, are kind of the bread and butter of the industry. Now, I, it doesn't concern me. I think one of the we ask agency people where their relationships were these days, and about a third of them are with the corporate communications departments, and another almost one third are with marketing and brand. So I think we are seeing as an industry that we're working for different groups with inside organizations um, more more than we used to in the past. Well, only only one third um, of the of the community. So what was the what was the other third? The other third was to the CEO. Oh, yeah. So, which so that, was sort of interesting. Yeah, yes. there's a, there's an even split across those three sort of points of entry within an organization. Roughly, uh, corporate communications was still the biggest. If you combine brand management and and marketing, it was the second largest, and then the CEO was sort of the same. So, Fred, I wanted to get your perspective on on one other piece from the from the ranking side of things, and that was. Um, 
So Paul Holmes did a did a podcast with with Arun Sudaman, which is on the website now, um, in which he said one of the things that concerned him the most, and in, in, from the rankings data, was um, revenue per capita. So this year's rankings showed a decline in revenue per head to about one hundred fifty one thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been I think one fifty eight last year. Does that trouble you at all? Well, it's a it's a trend, and I I think that the probably part of that is this uh, cost scrutiny on the corporate side. We are finding more and more that in uh, with our larger clients that we're uh, interfacing with their procurement departments pretty frequently, and they're working very hard to drive down the uh, the, the rates and the expenses that they're paying for our services. So I think that a lot of that reduction in in uh, income per headcount could be based on the changes that are being uh, demanded by procurement departments. Hmm. Fred, let's switch gears for a minute and talk about talent because, you know, according to the survey, this continues to be the industry's biggest challenge. Um, And one one of the the stats that I found interesting was when asked whether there are a plentiful supply of intelligent, well-educated talent in our industry, 35% of agency people said yes, and 51% of in-house people said yes. Aren't these numbers a little low? Just in terms of the overall confidence in in, in the talent pool, it just struck me, especially on the agency side, was was quite low. Well, it was really interesting. Number one, people said their biggest challenge to achieving their growth goals was finding the right talent. And they all admitted that the public relations industry isn't uh, very good at recruiting from outside of its own ranks. And we asked people where they normally hired from, and not surprisingly, PR agencies hire from other PR agencies, and in co- in-house departments hire from other in-house departments. So I think we're sort of fishing in the same pond for the same kind of people, and that's why it's hard to find new people, because we're just sort of recycling the same ones. So my takeaway from this is we've got to begin to learn how to recruit better from outside the, the public relation ranks into different kinds of fields and different kinds of companies. So Fred, I, as long as I've been covering this, this space, this has been a top concern. It's, it's bringing in um, a, sort of a broader pool of talent into, into the industry. And, and it still seems, it seems like the, the industry overall hasn't really done this well. What, what do you think the missing link is? Well, we asked that question, and the first thing that people said in terms of sourcing new talent was uh, the expectation in the salary area. So I think there is a, a sense uh, among other people working on their industries that the public relations does not pay as well. So it could be that we're going to have to, if we're going to bring talent in from outside, we're going to have to adjust the, the sort of the, the compensation expectations that we're willing to, to pay. So that could be part of it. And it, but isn't, I mean, that's challenging because sometimes you're bringing someone in, right? Isn't it, and it's an investment hire to, to launch right. sort of a new service. And if you don't have the client's buy-in yet, then it's, I mean, it's sort of which, which one do you do first? Well, I think that the biggest opportunity, and now that I'm at USC, I see that even more, is to recruit uh, people at a, early in their careers, you know, when they're coming out of college. And I think there's a lot of really bright talent coming out of the university. Some are studying public relations, some are not. So I think there is still a, a, an opportunity to find really interesting and creative talent at a fairly low um, compensation level if you hire them when they're just starting out and, and help teach them the career or, or, or in, inspire them to, to work in, the, in, in PR. The, 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 the issue that I, I guess I could foresee there is, is part of the reason you want higher diverse pools of talent is because of some of their experience in a different industry, right? I mean, whether they spend yes. time at, a, you know, at an ad firm or, or a media buying firm. So if you get someone right out of school, while they may have, they may, they have the education and maybe like internships that, that, that are different than, than PR, it sounds like their career would be very much molded around PR. I wonder how much diversity you would actually get in terms of their, in terms of their perspective. Well, in your, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I, it seems to me that in terms of diversity, the the millennial audience and that now the new Generation Z is a much more diverse audience 
than some of the older people in our, our business, both both ethnically and in terms of their their background. So I think there is more diversity in the younger groups. But to your point, if when we ask people besides PR agencies and in-house teams where they hired, advertising and marketing firms were ranked second, and then analytic and consulting firms were ranked third. So for senior level people, we are seeing an influx of people from advertising and from consulting that are bringing more analytical skills and more creative skills. And those are the two areas that I think the industry really needs to focus on, is strategy and, and creativity. Let's talk about the, the skills that are that are needed, because because this this was striking. And I think at the event at USC, this was this was brought up as well. So the the most important or the most valued skill in our industry is still writing, um, which which seems I, I think I think it was actually I can't remember if the quote was from you or Paul that basically said that I mean, this really should be the price of admission, right? It shouldn't it shouldn't be you know, consider it sort of a sought after skill set, it should just be assumed that, that that was there. So why do you think writing still ranks so heavily? Also, I mean, we're moving into such a visually, you know, we have sort of the visual vocabulary now, um, you know, between GIFs and, and, and infographics and, and all of that. So why do you think writing was still so, so weighted so heavily? Well, it's a good question. And we even ask, what are the skills that people will need in five years from now? And writing still ranked number one. I think that I think writing is important, but as Paul said, it, that should be a given. Verbal and written communication skills should be a given for anybody in the communications field. But we also saw that right behind writing were strategic, critical thinking, and creativity and analytics. So while writing still seems to be valued, and, and in my opinion, maybe overly so, there is an inkling that we're looking for people who have broader skills. And I think the area of, of video and, and storytelling in general, using different mediums, because content creation was the number one thing people said it was going to drive growth in the future. Now, admittedly, content creation can be written, but there's also lots of different other ways to create content that I think we need to be more aggressive about. So from your perspective at USC, how, I mean, do you see these, these same skills valued in, in the students as, um, you know, I mean, do they, do, do they prioritize writing um, critical thinking? and like? In- well, I, yes, I think all of the students at USC and I think at most schools who are studying PR and communications are taking some very solid basic writing courses, and that's part of every curriculum. But we're also teaching video production, real-time marketing. A lot of people are taking coding classes to learn how to do their actual coding. So there's a lot more uh, emphasis now on multimedia. And at Annenberg, we have this amazing media center that is like the newsroom of the future. And the public relations students work in there with the journalism students. And they're doing a lot of very innovative things in terms of uh, new ways to, to communicate. So with, um, in, in terms of sort of the multimedia components, I'm, I'm curious if, if, if you can give me a little bit more context, especially from the USC perspective, about you know, where is the interest um, sort of in, in tomorrow's PR professional? I mean, are they, are they interested in, in, in doing you know, animations? Are they, are, is, there, is there interest in doing sort of shorts like, um, like, like, like the Chipotle, uh, you know, Scarecrow video or, or even sort of like a girl video? I mean, like, like where, where do you see at USC, like where is the excitement in terms of how to tell a brand story? Well, I, th- I think it's really all of the above, and it's primarily going to be um, multimedia functions that work in social, uh, that are, are going to be shareable on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. And, and I think some are short form, some are real quick and easy to do, things that you can do sort of in real time. And then there's a lot of interest in these longer form stories that are almost episodical, where you can tell a longer, deeper story on YouTube or um, you know, on, on Vimeo that I think will, will enrich somebody's experience in, from that, that point of view. And then the next step, a lot of people are experimenting with virtual reality. We have classes that, about virtual reality. I think that I, I'm thinking that's going to be one of the next big things in terms of journalism and communications. Hmm. Um, so, uh, 
in terms of um, sort of where future growth, I mean, as you already mentioned, content creation is was was by far the, the highest at eighty one percent. So social media, I think, was was next, and and that's I feel it seems like that realm is changing so much in terms of the way that brands participate, and um, you know, and, and sort of the appetite to engage with brands there. So, h- how do you see sort of social media or PR's role in social media evolving in the, in the future? Well, I think a lot of it is going to be based on the technology that uh, is available. And there's new technology coming out all the time. I was with Brooklyn Brothers today, and they were telling me about a new, uh, a new app called Glimpse, which allows a person to give you a glimpse of their day in little segments. And I, I haven't used it yet, but it's something that's brand new. It's going to be the next they think the next big thing. So I think it's it's incumbent upon universities and, and firms like ours to sort of be ahead of the game and be figuring out what are the next platforms in social that are going to be uh, be dominating or be used by, you know, different um, demographics, especially younger people. So, I mean, so traditional activities, sort of the brand reputation stuff, I mean, that's still ranked fairly high at 70% because there are so many things like so many of these emerging social platforms, so many sort of shiny, shiny new, new toys for lack of a better word, like glimpse. Do you see the younger generation still being interested in the traditional brand reputation part of, of, of our industry? Well, I think it's how you define brand reputation. And I think a lot of the reputation that we typically would have seen in the past from stories in Business Week and the New York Times, those are still going to be important to executives. But I think your brand on social media is probably even more important now because that's how people are sharing information about what you do and and what you say. And I think that's um, a critical part of the reputation component that's going to be what's online. So Fred, you know, you oversaw sort of a, a kind of a kind of an industry sort of changing overhaul of, of the business model when you implemented G4 at Golan. Do you, I mean, now that you sort of have a broader perspective in, on the industry, I mean, do you think other agencies are changing their model as well? And if so, I mean, do you have any other examples of, of you know, outside of G4 that, that you've seen? According to our survey, a very high percent of corporate in-house teams and agencies anticipated changing their models over the next five years. Both of them were in the above 95%. So everybody sees the need for change. What was interesting, when we asked them how dramatic that change was, uh, the majority said it was going to be moderate. And that was really a little concerning to me because our world is changing so fast. And what we did at Golan four years or almost five years ago was very radical change for for us and we're still changing and I think people may be underestimating the amount of change that they're going to experience and and the amount of change they're going to have to adopt internally with their structures and with the people and the way they work in order to be relevant in the future. I think there's going to be more change than than less. Right, I think think Paul said it at at the USC event, right, that there's this idea that we just need to do like one one big change, and then after that, you can just go back to business as usual, um, rather than constantly changing. Um, I mean, do, do you do you see that perce- perception in the industry that oh yeah, you know we 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 hired a you know we we have a digital team or we have a, a creative team now. You know, we did our bit. Now we can carry on. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I think I think uh, most of the people who work on our industry realize that this change is going to be continual, and the and the challenge is just keeping up with it, and being able to find the talent that has the skills you need in order to stay ahead of the game, and so it's a it's a constantly evolving thing with the technology and the talent, and the, and our goal is to always always to be one step ahead of the curve. But it's moving pretty fast these days, and I think that's what people have to realize, that they've got to move a little more quickly than perhaps they were planning to in in the past. Well, what about technology adoption then? I mean, because a lot of, a lot of what, I, what I think will, will help the industry sort of change some of its priorities or, or change its focus, I guess is a better way to put it, um, is, is technology adoption that will streamline some of 
some of the tasks that used to be really time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some of the really lower level work that, that I think a lot of junior talent from what I understand, um, find to be tedious, right? I mean, some of the, some of the manual report building, um, database building that, that can really be automated quite, quite easily now. I mean, do you think that our industry has done a good job of adopting technologies to sort of streamline some of those time consuming tasks and really sort of, and, and, and make room for doing some of this other stuff? Well, I think we have adopted a lot of new technology. I mean, the work we're doing now is very different than it was five years ago. But I don't, I wouldn't think that, I don't think that the PR industry is, you would rank us as the most technologically savvy group out there. One of the interesting things we're doing at USC to sort of combat that is we're now offering courses between Annenberg, the communication school, and the engineering school. So they combine together. So you've got engineers and communications people teaching the same course. And by that way, you're sort of introducing people not only to the communications technique, but the actual creation of the technology behind it. And I think we need to have a little more of an engineering mindset in our business so that we're not just using these tools, but we understand them in a way that we can, as you say, make them more a part of our our, our work our work life. Well, that's interesting because I, you know, I'd heard about, you know, PR programs that integrate pretty closely or at least have shared courses with, with, with the business school. I, I, I think this is the first time I've heard about, um, sort of some kind of collaboration with the engineering school. Um, I mean, are there, are there any other interesting collaborations in terms of how tomorrow's PR professionals are being trained that, that, that are worth noting? Well, this is brand new. This is just something that Annenberg is is starting this year. So I think that's going to be something that we'll explore in the future. But I think it's this this integration of different disciplines is going to be so important. The, as you see in, in, the, in the real world, the distinction between digital and advertising and CRM and PR and branding, those were all separate disciplines and separate kinds of agencies. And and anymore, the distinction between those is, is so blurred. So I think on the college campus, the silos have to be broken down between those disciplines, too. And students have to be allowed to move from one, from advertising to public relations, to communications, to business, to engineering, so that they can have sort of a experience in all these different areas, because it's all sort of coming together in a way that you can't afford to just be smart in in one silo. Fred, you, um, I, I, I know I, I can hear them in the background. And so I know you have to have to go catch your <laughs> flight soon. But but what, I wanted to close on 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 a question, you know, you're someone who had a really unconventional, um, yes. you know, per, per, professional trajectory, um, that kind of led you to, to where you are today. Um, so when when now that you're, you know, director at, at, at USC, do you, um, what, what advice do you give, do you give young professionals? I mean, do you, do you tell them, I mean, you know, Hey, you know, veer off track, go do something different, or do you feel like the environment's changed so much that they're better off, um, you know, starting their careers straight away? I, you know, I realize that they don't, they're under, students today are under a lot of pressure from their parents and with student loans to get a job the day they graduate. So it's different than when I was their age. I had a lot more freedom to do these kinds of things. That being said, they still I still encourage them to experiment with their lives and try new things. And I'm even teaching a course based on my book that's going to make them do those kinds of things. Because I'm convinced that creativity is the future of our business. And the only way you can be creative is by exposing yourself to new things all of the time and having a lot of experiences information in your brain because your ideas come from connecting that those experiences in new and different ways so if people are just going to school all the time and doing internships in the summer they're getting a great education but they need that life experience i think to be relevant in in our business and to bring new thinking and new ideas so i'm going to continue to encourage everybody to get outside of their comfort zone and and try new stuff and and not to worry so much about whether they're immediately successful or if they if they fail i think kids today need to worry less and be a little more brave 
Well, good, good parting words. Well, thank you, Fred. It's always a pleasure to have you. Um, and the global communications report is on our website. It includes the top 250 peer agencies in the world, as well as analysis on many of the things we talked about today, talent, disruption, and overall prospects for future growth. Welcome back to the Echo Chamber. That was a, an interesting conversation we had with uh, Fred Cook. So we're going to continue on with uh, talking about the Global Communications Report, but we're going to take a deeper dive now into the talent portion and look a little bit about where the industry is, where it needs to be um, when it comes to recruiting and retaining talent. So to talk about this, I have Jamie McLaughlin, who's CEO of Capstone Hill, which is a recruiting company, um, on on the podcast. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks very much, Audie. And, and, and Capstone Hill focuses just on PR recruitment, correct? That's right. PR, communications, mm-hmm. everything in between. And is there a certain level that you all focus on or is it is it all levels? It's all levels, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I mean, traditionally, I do sort of the more senior stuff uh, in the mm-hmm. business. Uh, but we have um, staff um, that yeah, work from AE all the way up to, to MD, really. We like to mirror what our what our clients are looking for so um yeah we can we can cater to at all levels so the first step that i'll throw at you and i'm i want to get your take on is is when we asked um both in-house and agency people you know are there plenty of intelligent well-educated talent in your market to choose Mm. from on the agency side only 35 percent agreed with this and Mm. on the in-house about 51%, which it still seems relatively low. But I mean, I suppose the fact that people don't believe that there's just a huge supply of talent out there is sure. a reason that companies like yours are actually actually exist, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I suppose that it, it depends uh, what level they're, they're talking at as well, whether they're saying, sort of, is there a steady flow coming into the industry or or is it just available on tap when when needed, really? Um, but um, yeah, there is. I, I, I certainly think there's there's competition. The competition for candidates, particularly on the agency side, is fierce. Um, and um, yeah, I don't I, readily available. I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would agree with that as well. I don't think that that, that we have those. There's a, a flow of candidates. Um, that, that you can just sort of tap into at, at will, uh, but there's certainly there's certainly very strong um, uh, people uh, coming into the industry, remaining in the in the industry. But you have to seek them out. So, so why do you think that there is such a a dearth of talent? I mean, is it because it, my guess is that it's not that there's a lack of well-educated, intelligent, talented people out there. Mm. It's just getting those people to 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 take. Some you know you know to move it. They're not all in PR, I guess. Is the issue exactly? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, it. A lot of the people we speak to, wh- whatever level that is, when I ask them how they um, went into public relations, often it's they 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 fell into it. Um, they didn't. You know, they, of course, there's exceptions to that. People who studied uh, marketing, communications, PR. There's those sort of people, but a lot of people fell into it and love it, of course, and 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 see it as a great career but um they it's not i think this starts at sort of at whether that is high school level or whether it's um, university level is is are these people being captured and told that that, that these are this is a great career choice for them um in terms of uh, w- whether that's the role the career progression um what uh, and, and what the remit of, of positions will be but I just I feel there is a little bit of a lack of understanding um, for graduates, whatever level, whether that's high school or going into you know or into university, of that that career is a um, career is a great industry and um, and uh, and can and, and can tick many of the boxes that people are looking for in in that in their career. So you know one of the one of the things that that were cited in the survey was that people are looking for to bringing non traditional talent into our industry sure. and you know and for all of, for all of the reasons that. Fred and I t- just just spoke about you know just how the the the, the skills and, and the demand is is changing in terms of what clients yeah. are looking for. So, do agencies ever come to you and say, "Look, can you find us a non traditional person?" And if so, you know what challenges do you find in sort of bringing sort of a non traditional person in in into PR? Yeah, they certainly they certainly do ask us, um, and that has become more apparent in 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 certain areas, uh, whether that's 
content creation, SEO, marketing, advertising, analytics. There's, there's lots of different areas that P, the PR industry is uh, moving into and, and needing resources from. So they certainly do ask f- for these people. Um, and previously, we maybe five, six, seven years ago, we saw a lot of creative directors coming from advertising agencies into into the industry. Um, so we do have those conversations. They're definitely not as frequent as we'd like, um, and and I think the PR industry would hope. Uh, but we certainly have those. Mm-hmm. We have those conversations. Um, but we'll caveat that though. Um, often they want a particular skill set but they also want the PR background as well or PR understanding as well it's very rarely the pure a pure SEO person or a pure analytics person that they want to capture both worlds Um, and I think there lies the problem quite often Mm because those candidates are um, uh, uh, extremely, uh, extremely rare that they've that, that they've brought, been brought up in the PR industry and uh, and understand that side of the other side of things as well. Right. In fact, I think you and I were just talking about unicorns before this call started, <laughs> and I would think that that would be that would oh, be a unicorn, right? Yeah, I was thinking the, the exact word. <laughs> that was the exact word I was going to use. But yeah, absolutely. That that seems to be um, that that seems to be um, yeah they want they want general specialists if that if that is right I suppose so yeah I mean I mean do you do you get that there is a sense that the industry just cannot keep cannibalizing itself when it comes to talent I mean it can't just be everybody's going after the same crop of people that have all done tours at the same agencies and sure and in a market like New York it may be it's not as noticeable but I'll tell you that in San Francisco because it is a relatively small network um, yeah. that you know, I mean, I've had agency heads come to me and say, I feel like we're all fighting for like the same 30 people sometimes. Yeah. And and given the, the overall direction that the industry is moving in, I mean, this just seems like an unwise path to follow for so many reasons. Absolutely. It's, um, it's something that we're constantly talking to our clients about and, and trying to encourage um, to widen the candidate pool. Uh, it serves in their interest as well um, for, for many, many reasons. But it, yeah, the cannibalization is, it's, yeah, it, it's becoming extreme. You're right. In New York, there is a steady flow of new talent, um, usually often from uh, across, across the nation. Uh, in London, there's a, there's a steady flow of people coming in from there as well. So maybe you can get away with it in New York. But my clients in San Francisco, my clients in London, they're all fishing from a, 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 a very similar, a very similar candidate pool, and all it does, uh, well, number one, it rules out di- diversity. Uh, it rules out, um, uh, it rules out um, fresh new ideas, I believe. But, but fundamentally, if we're looking at the bottom line, all it does is drive up salaries um, and increases churn in the industry because people are moving every you know 18 months to two years and that the cost and the impact of that is is huge as well so it's it's there is very li- little to no uh, positives about the cannibalization of things other than it's extreme short-termism mm-hmm. look and i understand why businesses do that um you know you just it, you just want a client and uh you, you, you don't want to take spend three to six months bedding someone in. You, you, you've got to service that client um, and, get, and get them up to speed immediately. But uh, that's another conversation we can have as well as about hiring in in advance of things mm-hmm. rather than in, in in reaction. But again, we're talking ideals here, right? I mean, and and when I mean when the economy is great and the pipeline is overflowing, yeah. I, I would think that that's when agencies are hiring in advance of wins. Sure. But once things start to cool. I think people become much more conservative, right? And they don't want to hire too far advanced. Yeah, um, and I I understand that. What I try to say to my clients and candidates is um, is you know having conversations with with people with each other doesn't mean that you're hiring, uh, and that's and and as long as expectations are managed, that's that's my recommendation to my clients is have these conversations. So you know introduce them to the business. So it, when when you do have to hit the uh, the, you know the green light then you can move you can move much quicker rather than rather than starting from scratch and maybe going into panic mode and hiring the first person co- that comes along rather than the right person that, that you're looking for mm-hmm. so let's talk then about the skill set so interestingly enough when yeah. we did the survey writing came out it on top at 89 percent sure. it was it was valued at at, at the at yeah. highest um 
so you know that seemed a little antiquated when we talked about it mm-hmm. because um you know in this day and age writing just seems like like i think as, as paul said just the price of admission um sure. and when when agencies i'm curious to hear if there's a difference between agencies and in-house when they yeah. come to you and say and, and bring you a list of skills that are must-haves in potential yeah. candidates. What's at the top of that list on both from both agency and in-house yeah. folks? Yeah, I mean, writing. I think writing's certainly back in vogue in terms of a, a request. And yes, what Paul said is probably right. But I think it's still, whilst it's it's a given, it's businesses still stress that because I think there's maybe a perception that that um, uh, the generation coming into the market and, and, and developing into in the market are maybe less, uh, writing's been less of a core skill that they develop. There's, I think it's a misconception. I think often, um, you know, there is by the uh, hiring managers, it's millennials, are, you know, they're all online and they're all, it's all texting and, and, and shorthand uh, tweeting and um so, so that they, they overlook that writing. Now, that 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 can be the case, but I I see plenty of resumes with uh, senior resumes with typos and, and grammar grammar errors and etc. So, um, so I think writing. I think I think what 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 um, the senior people there are saying is it's whilst it's it should be a given, it's also a must have as well. So that's probably what that's probably what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of other in terms of other skills that. That people are that are on a, a must have. Um, I mean, it's job, you know, job specs or, or remits are often are often um, uh, you know, uh, whilst it's not a must have, they're they're a, they're a wish list, I, I suppose. Um, so what that means is, um, you know, so we, we often we often see a, a lot of boxes to be ticked, but they're not they're not always scored in, you know, not always, we're not always, not always ranked, but, um, certain, you know, still media, media relations, um, not tr- necessarily traditional media relations, but certainly media relations is, is still something that our clients are continually asking for. Um, we, it was, we've almost gone full circle on that one. We, we've had in the last year, uh, well this year, sorry, we've had two or three, uh, senior roles, where they're looking at, and 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 medium-sized levels where they're actually looking for media relations people. Um, you know that's is which is their core skill set. It used to be that you couldn't that was seen as outdated if you just were a Rolodex or very strong on media relations. But now I, I think people are starting to see they need a few experts within the business uh, as well. Um, to not sort of just keep repeating the the traditional uh, stuff that we look at, we certainly are seeing there's some interesting stuff around analytics and certainly uh, certainly research uh, and search engine optimization. Those things seem to be coming up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But what I, mean, I probably would see, I think the stuff that seems to be more impactful is around research. That seems to be um, being able to blend the research with PR skills seems to be something that um, our, our clients are, are, are very hot on. And I think know how to actually use that they might ask for seo uh, they might ask for analytics but i think on the research side of things um it, they definitely they know how to use that so and they're very comfortable once if they get someone who's got that skill set as well so interesting i mean it, it sounds like there's been a bit of a resurgence on sort of the media relations side of things yeah. that, that there were that maybe there was a, a the pendulum swung too far the other way and everyone was really interested in these emerging well, i guess what would yeah. would be called an emerging skill set um and now and now they're realizing that they do still need to have at their core some some media experts, um, and you know, interestingly enough, uh, the, after writing, uh, like strategic planning was the next was the next um, most coveted skill set. And so yeah. it seems like you know, I mean, that's still highly valued, right? As sort of having that 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 yeah. sort of strategic way of approaching things, and yeah. and that can you know be deployed, I would think, in, in many different scenarios, whether it's media relations, whether it's sure. content creation, or um, you know, or yeah. anything else, um, analytics, account management, whatever it might be. So, uh, anything else that you're? Well, actually, before we kind of get to the open-ended yeah. end, um, let's let's touch on diversity. Sure. I mean, the industry. You know, I I, I think everyone knows con- lacks considerably when it comes to racial or ethnic diversity. Yes. Um, do you have agencies coming to you and saying, how can I, I need to, I want to access a more diverse talent pool. I want to bring in different perspectives, different backgrounds. How can I do that? 
yeah, it's it, it's um, it's certainly a conversation we have. Uh, the, some of the larger agencies and and in-house clients that we work for stress um, stress that, that that diversity is as part of their hiring strategy. Absolutely. Um, again, though, the reality often bites um, if 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 the businesses are hiring. Uh, re- retroactively, um, and they'll, you know, they will um, take the, the low-hanging fruit, the, the 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 candidate that they know best, the candidate they're most comfortable with, um, rather than you know aggressively seeking out um, aggressively seeking out uh, diversity within within the within the industry. Um, there is no uh, sort of Rooney uh, laws that we we have or, or, or rebits that we have. Um, on that front in terms of you know we need to uh, hire a certain amount of people from this background um, or with mm. this you know uh, uh, approach um, you know that it, it's it's again we, we certainly having more conversations mm. about that um, and um, businesses are you know are putting it more in in the conversation but it, but again the reality is it's um, it's it's often the, um, our clients go for yeah, the, mm. the, the closest thing to hand. Mm. So, what about in terms of sort of the? So I, I remember there was and, and and Jamie, you might have limited purview in this because it sounds mm. like you're not as involved in in sort of some of the more junior level hires and and sure. um, you know I mean, there was a time where everybody was doing writing tests right as yeah. as, as a sort of a point of ent- as a mm. uh, entry test right. Um, and then I think oh, well, there was some some pushback against that because I think some agencies were realizing how easy it was to get around that, and everybody can yeah. can can perform well on you know depending on how the test was was administered. Yeah. Um, and then I actually talked to some agencies that were doing writing tests even at the top. I mean, they were bringing in top level people, and they were sure. saying, you know what, I need to make sure that they can they can still communicate effectively. Yeah. Um, can you give me sort of a, a sense for what's what's hot right now? Is it I mean, are people still doing writing tests? Are they are they are they doing it at yeah. all levels? Are there new kinds of tests that are um, assessing people's skill set in sort of this new environment? Yeah, there's um, absolutely writing tests um, from yeah are, are probably more prevalent at the junior level. Uh, yes, uh, but I have a, a client and asset management business, uh, and they writing so so important to them, so they do it from. You know, five years experience up to 25 years experience and it it sometimes puts um puts the more experienced people's nose out of joint to be perfectly honest um we you know that some some uh, attitudes have been there done that sort of thing so but we definitely do uh we writing tests are still um are still prevalent i would say i'm just i'm looking down my client list now i'm just i would say probably more not, I would say, um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, particularly at the sort of uh, junior and, and mid size. As we go up the levels, maybe it's move away from the move away from the writing test and more into the you know, pitch scenario, or or you know, let's have or we let's put something together to stimulate a conversation or, or something like that. But um, there's definitely um, there's there's definitely uh, writing tests moving on to presentation. Maybe as you go to a, a more a more senior level, I see um, in the I do not see much in terms of other forms of testing, uh, psychometric testing or or, or or you know behavioral testing that, that sort of area. Uh, maybe a little bit more of that in the UK and Australia. Uh, we, we see that more than the US, but but not so much on that. I, my take on it is a lot of businesses do it and then don't actually mm-hmm. crunch the data properly mm-hmm. and, 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 and interpret. I've, I don't think I've ever had anyone do a uh, psychometric testing and, and actually be rejected for a role. So I, I never really understood mm-hmm. you know what the um, what the reasons for that were behind it. Uh, and we also see, I mean, I encourage this as well for both client and, and candidate is the softer things, you know, go out for a lunch, go out for a drink, meet some more of the team. I think those, those things are very, very important um, culturally because our clients are always, and candidates will always say culture is the most important thing. And it's always a very difficult thing to put your finger on. Um, so to, to, to see somebody maybe outside of a test situation or a presentation situation and, you know, how they react with, with, uh, with team members and, and the like, I think that's a very good idea. Yeah, I think there was actually a LinkedIn recently that um, 
that someone, a head of comms at it at a large company. Yeah. Um, I, I think I know who it is, but I'm not going to name cause I'm not hundred percent sure that I'm right. <laughs> but she, um, she posted, uh, a piece that was highly circulated about, you know, how that lunch meeting is actually the most important meeting that she does in terms of making new hires. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that, that shouldn't be under, um, underestimated just, but I mean, I, I guess the only flip side to that I would see was this is sometimes an, if you overly emphasize culture, yeah. uh, you can overlook hires that, that bring in a new perspective or even, yeah. or even, or even on the diversity side, right? I mean, someone may not feel like a good culture fit because they come from a different background, sure. but they actually, you know, you know, but they, they would bring and contribute tremendously to the business. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm. It's there's you know certain clients of mine. They there's definitely a bit of a more of a cookie cutter approach to to how they hire, and um, you you know I often get that feedback is I don't think uh, they're brilliant, but I don't think they're the right cultural fit for me. And I'm like, well, that's to me that's a great thing. Don't don't you want people who are a little bit you know a little bit different who've got a different approach, different style. You can't have all, you know, all the same people in the, in the sitting in the room. Um, so I actually, you know, encourage that, that, that sort of, you know, if someone is a little bit different, I don't see that as, um, or, or, or very different. Uh, I don't see that as a negative per se. Um, I, I, and I try and again, try and speak to my clients about that because you want, uh, yeah, you want, if you got, if you're going in to see a client, you want, and you've got four people in the room, you certainly want four, four, um, differing opinions, but there should be a theme there. You know, if you've got, if you're, you know, people generally, I think when they mean, um, culture that I think they mean driven, I think they mean passionate, I think they mean committed, I mm-hmm. think they mean intelligent, but you can be all of those things and, and, and very different people in the room as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, is there anything else that you're noticing that, you know, may, may be sort of an emerging trend or something that's sort of in, in, in kind of very early stages? Um, but is there anything you're noticing in terms of hiring trends that's worth noting that we haven't talked about? I don't think it's coming a huge surprise to a lot of people, but there's, there's um, a lot of hiring going on or needs going on at that, the vice president level, which is quite, I suppose, is a bit of a general um, level. But, but that sort of not, not the sort of the, the top, top roles, but second in commands. Um, yeah, that, that sort of level seems to be where a lot of businesses are hiring. And traditionally, that's a tricky area because uh, people leave the industry at that level, um, whether that's for family commitments, whether that's for um, uh, you know, to second careers or often the time when people move, you know, leave the city, for, for example. So that seems to be. But I, I suppose a big, a big trend that we're, we're seeing, um, well, it's not necessarily a hiring trend, but it's certainly, it's certainly tre- it certainly ties into hiring and, and, and retention of staff, of course, which is really important, is, is around benefits. We're uh, bring uh, a person, you know, I, I started my career in London um, and we've got much more of a European approach to vacation, for example. Um, we're seeing uh, the U- US markets uh, catching up to, to that um, in terms of vacation, in terms of uh, maternity leave, in terms of other, other benefits that people um, hold, hold close to them. I think the attitude seems to be that um, whilst... Um, whilst people are engaged and online all the time um that they, they they do a few more vacation times gone are the days you have 10 days you switch the phone off you don't take the laptop and you you you, you know you check out for those 10 days now we're seeing much closer to 20 days uh, vacation um but but people are expected to be online more mm. and 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 then on the maternity leave paternity leave we're seeing a lot more conversations around that um in particular which I think um, is an extremely good thing for PR because um, in an area dominated by women um, when they're quite far behind in terms of the maternity uh, leave, I think that's something that will, um, will encourage women or not even encourage, um, allow women to stay in the industry um, and, 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 and carry on contributing. And, that, and I think what we're seeing, maybe that's from your side of, uh, of the country, uh, on the, you know, the, a lot of the tech businesses are leading the way on that front, starting the conversation on paternity leave as well, um, which will hopefully have knock on effects for maternity and then, and then a wider influence on, on, on the rest of the industry. So I think benefits uh, are becoming 
increasingly important uh, for attracting and, and retaining staff. And I think the US is um, is getting up to speed on that. Definitely, I'm actually glad you brought that up because it's true. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the the, the benefits that you mentioned. They they started their expansion here, you know, led yes. by companies like Google and Facebook. Um, you know, Netflix was, I think, one of the first to do unlimited PTO, and yep. um, and and you know, yeah, and we're starting to see that trickle into the PR industry. I think yep. uh, so. H and K Strategies last year announced sixteen weeks paid uh, sure. maternity uh, leave, and then uh, I think ten weeks paid partner leave, yep. um, and that that was unprecedented in the industry, and that was really built on the model that Facebook and Google had yep. had had put forth. And um, I think Golan just a couple months ago announced yep. unlimited unlimited. PTO. So that, you're right that these are in, interesting things to follow and, and to see what you know what if other agencies are going to follow suit because they need to to stay competitive, um, sure. and what kind of recruiting advantage these companies uh, these agencies get. Yeah, because I mean agencies almost you know they they sort of carry the spirit of startups often and often that you know we see so so many incarnations of agencies and uh, and new ones throwing up all the time. So. It, it, it makes sense for them if, if they've got that startup uh, culture and appeal that, that they, they should be adopting uh, these. Uh, of course, Facebook and Google are no longer startups, but certainly that that tech startup, you know, new media, new new tech sort of feel to things really. Uh, but I, it, it makes sense. Uh, we we ask our staff to be online the majority of the time, um, and therefore I think they should be giving more flexibility in their, um, in, in, you know, in the, in the time that they can take off. Um, and, um, yeah, and then, the, and the maternity leave, I, I think it's a huge issue, um, in, in the market and, um, PR has, you know, has to get up to, uh, up to speed on that. Absolutely. We, we just see an exodus of top, top talent. Um, and that, you know, that, and that's why, uh, we, we see so few um, so few women or disproportionate amount of women um, on on boards um, and, uh, and and leading agencies unless they found them of course which right. you know which is another question indeed indeed I, I feel indeed this is we can have a whole other conversation on, <laughs> on, on this on this component well well Jamie I'm thank you so much for for joining us um, it was great to get your perspective on on the talent. And um, for our listeners, the Global Communications Report 2016 is all on the website um, under under GCR 16. Um, follow the conversation. I think we're going to continue to have some other stories come out over the next uh, few weeks um, that will that will reference the the, the GCR. Um, and we'll be back soon with another Echo Chamber podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. 